Hi guys, welcome back to Stargirl. It's Emma. Today is Friday, December 29th, 2023. Um, hi guys. Hope you all had a lovely Christmas and holiday season and that you are enjoying a restful, reflective week before the new year. Um, and today we actually had like the most beautiful day in a long time. It was a pretty um, gray and extremely foggy Christmas. Like it was honestly kind of spooky, but today was blue skies and sun showers and just really helped to accelerate the New Year's energy. So just feeling really bliss. This is all to say happy new year and I wish you all the best. And I know that 2024 is going to be a very full and meaningful year for us all. Um, it's also kind of the first time that I've felt like on board with mainstream culture in a minute. I mean, this was kind of the whole genesis of Stargirl was that I was looking around and being like, ew, everything sucks. Like, let me try to document what sucks. And now I'm like, wow, a lot of things actually rule. Like so many values that we've talked about on Stargirl that I feel like we're so lacking in culture for so long, like fitness and eroticism and beauty are now all like coming around. Anyways, I'm just feeling like this is a year to ride the wave. Um, This actually leads right into the topic of today's episode. So we're going to be talking about Kim Kardashian. And I'll just say up top that this is one of so many Kim episodes that could happen or may happen. Um, This is not a historical Kim episode. This is not a charting Kim's narrative in the public eye through the past however many years episode. This is a time slice episode where we are looking at Kim as she exists today, I guess in 2023. What has she done for culture? Why is she so powerful? Why am I so behind the specific values and power that she stands for? Um, A big part of this is obviously Skims, which is probably the brand that I'm most excited about. Like, in the world right now, at least at that level of impact. Um, So I feel like there's no better way to close out this year of Stargirl than by taking Kim as an emblem of the era. I think that if we want to give 2023 into 2024 transition, the best shot is to put our money on Kim and to really identify, articulate, and lean into the values that she is standing for There's so many things that we can take from Kim and use as a guiding light. Yeah, I guess the best way to sum all of what I just said up is that Kim and by extension Skims is a great lens through which we can refer back to many of the open conversations of the year, um, at least those that we have discussed on on Stargirl. Um, So some of those conversations being like the body, um, the whole girl versus woman and seeking a model of femininity question, the idea of the lingua franca of femme, which Marissa Meltzer gave us in the Emily Weiss episode, Um, the idea of the gaze on motherhood and family as a worthy limb of self-portrayal or something. I'm thinking of the Ballerina Farm episode. Um, The whole piece around like fitness and working out and as an extension of that physique as it exists as an editorial trend. Um, Kim also relates to the conversation about the liminal space of race and both the liberties and demands that are placed on you when you're in that role. 
Um, Kim relates to the conversation we had in the Taylor Swift episode about quote unquote greediness or capitalist women who um, are relentlessly and openly business women in addition to artists um, and how we deal with that. Um, Kim directly relates to so many of the women's stories that we've talked about this year relates directly to Ballerina Farm, to Taylor Swift, to Emily Weiss, to Cami Telez, to Alex Earl even. And then we'll talk about Skims specifically as well as an amazing force of a brand and potentially as an era-defining brand as well. And honestly, to the lingua franca of femme thing that I just said, I'm comfortable putting my money on Skims and saying this is the best representation of a universal language of femme femininity that we have today. Yeah, excited to celebrate Kim and Skims today. Okay, I do have a couple of items of Stargirl news. Number one, uh, Sydney's rom-com with Glenn Powell came out, Anyone But You. I bring this up because I just want to talk about Sydney's behavior in promoting this movie. So obviously she's been posting over the past like several months a lot of too close for comfort content related to her and Glenn Powell. So like, you know, she went to like the Sydney Zoo with Glenn Powell's family. It just seemed like they were a couple in their body language toward each other in like the amount of time they were spending together. And then, you know, it was like, oh, but Sydney's engaged. And like, what happened to Glenn Powell's girlfriend? He dumped her right as all this promotion for anyone, but she was coming out, blah, 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 blah. So there was that initial wave of speculation and criticism. And then as we got closer to the debut date, everywhere I went, I was seeing some sort of ad for this, whether it was their like weird ASMR bits or their like pickup line contests. Anyway, so I just want to address why I think it is sketchy. Okay, so the level one is like, oh, she's engaged. Like she's being really flirty. She's she's really testing the water. She's really towing the line with Glenn. Then the level two is, oh, but actually this is just genius marketing for the movie. Like everybody is so invested now because of this line that she's towing. Okay, and then the level three is you can tell that Sydney is really enjoying this first flirtation with being sketchy. You can just tell that she's having so much fun stirring the pot, which is a new side of her for us to see. Like her enjoyment of this new role of being a sketchy woman is so palpable. Anyway, so I just wanted to document that as we look at Sydney's evolution in the public eye and the way that she handles mini controversies. Because, you know, when we when I first did her episode, she was pretty fresh. And I guess then she had the little blip with, um, like, when she threw her mom's birthday party. And then, like, a bunch of her family is, were wearing, like, Trump hats or something. And then she sent, like, one poised tweet condemning people criticizing her family and left it at that. Anyways, all to say, let's keep an eye on... Miss Sydney's exploration of her mischievous side. Okay, moving on. I forgot to bring this up in the last episode, the new Nicki Minaj album. I guess it's been out for like three weeks at this point. But um, yeah, love her. Um, I think my favorite song is the one with J. Cole. I mean, I wish J. Cole, he didn't, he didn't need to be there. But um, that's my favorite melody to listen to. Um, I like it when she says, take me to somewhere mystical. But I always love when Nikki sings. I think like pills and potions. And um, I even think I played Come See About Me in one of the one of the episodes. Um, 
Nikki's sweetheart side is such a critical part of her holding the tension because like if she was just being like barbarian all the time, it would be like, okay, okay, I can't even, this is just, this is just obnoxious, you know? Um, but it's so sweet. Um, yeah. And I've been actually been thinking a lot more about Nikki in recent months, ever since that girl on TikTok who can do her voice. I think her name's Nia. Let me just look her up. Um, since that started coming on my For You page. Um, and I am obsessed and I love her too. Yeah, Nia Ivy. And she, should I just play one? What's like the best? I guess when she's doing the cutesy ladybug. I was on the app. Um. She's a cutesy little ladybug. And of course I call everyone ladybugs if I love you. Clearly she's not a ladybug. She's huge. But she's so beautiful. She's a mammoth, of course. <sighs> she's a cute. Anyways, <laughs> um, I need to do a Nicki Minaj episode this coming year. So, but I definitely need to have someone on to do it. Who's the Nicki scholar that we need? Okay, that's all on that. Um, next, Ballerina Farm is about to have her baby. Honestly, probably probably by the time that it, this comes out, she will have had her baby. So congratulations to her. But um, remember in her episode when we were talking about a big part of her controversy was her effortless health vibes like all these women being like oh okay well you know amazing for you that you don't have to carve out time to work out because like you're rich and you just dance around your kitchen with your daughters whatever um I've been meaning to bring this up for months now but she debunked that she subtly without an explicit clapback debunked that whole idea she has been posting so much footage of her in the gym putting up real weight. I mean, now she's eight months pregnant, but she's still squatting like 95 pounds for reps. Like she is not messing around. And like this whole idea that Hannah is just like floating through her life is just in general so irritating. And especially to me in the realm of her maintenance of her body. Like she is working very hard to keep herself fit and mobile and having energy um, to play and run around and mess around with her kids. So I just wanted to call that out. And like that just further inspired me in my own lifting as well, where I'm like, dang, Hannah fits a lot into a day. Like I'm so inspired by that. Anyway, actually that relates to Kim as well, because she is so open about her fitness journey and how working out is a non-negotiable for her. And I was just listening to the Goop podcast that came out like about a year ago where Gwyneth is being like, oh, like tell us what your workout routine. Like I assume you do like Pilates, yoga. And she's like on the weekend as my fun things, but no, like I'm in the gym with my trainer five days a week by 6 a.m. lifting weights. And I'm just like, Fuck yeah. I'm not in the gym five days a week by 6 a.m. I don't have kids. I don't have a business. Like, what the hell am I doing? So anyways. Um, okay. Then I also wanted to touch back in the larger conversation around extended girlhood and refusal to grow up and just like, you know, the juvenile vibes of culture and at least as mirrored by Taylor Swift's whole self-portrayal. I'm glad that we used her as a point of reference and that we talked about her but I really want to like leave that be because ultimately like Taylor Swift is a safe person to criticize um even though we know she has this massive army of fans that will apparently come for you or whatever it is kind of low-hanging fruit to really 
dig in. Um, but I also think that it's very interesting to compare Taylor to Kim because they actually share a lot of qualities or personality traits. Like I would describe them both as poised, hard workers, control freaks, perfectionists. Um, but the way that those traits manifest and what they are like used for <laughs> um, is very different. So back to what I was just saying about no need to over-index on our criticisms of Taylor. And that's not because I'm like trying to be nice. Um, it's because I think that energy is better spent refocused on Kim as someone who is in some ways kind of infuriating for sharing a lot of those traits that I just listed. However, Kim is leading us to a new path and it's like the world before us opens up as opposed to the world behind us closing in. You know what I mean? Anyways, just wanted to note that. Um, okay, so let's get into Kim. Um, so yeah, let's start by just like defining the persona of Kim Kardashian as she exists today. So I'm just going to pull up her Instagram and take a look. Um, okay, today, 364 million followers. When you look at her Instagram, what are the values that are implicit in it? Um, okay, well, first of all, I'm just immediately <laughs> stopped in my tracks by the the recent Christmas posting, which is incredible. Her in this archival Mugler, uh, this like snow queen dress with the like fur piping around it. So beautiful. Her like all white and tinted sparkly light blue snowflake like Christmas decorations. So good. Her with all of her kids looking so angelic. Um, the Skims wrapping paper that she did. First of all, this this Kardashian gift wrap post was by far my favorite caption of the year. I mean, it's just so Kim. I love she's like, it's so fun to see what each family member did and their vibe for the year. Each represents us so well. Chloe did gorgeous monochromatic green with green ribbon. It's just like, it's so perfect. Oh, and, and good job, Girl Boss Town, for predicting that. Like, she never misses. Okay, anyways, moving beyond, <laughs> moving beyond the past four days of Christmas content, I would say the values espoused by Kim's Instagram are like family, venture, I guess, um, beauty, certainly. And the, the specific type of beauty is more around like high aesthetic control, I guess. Um, I was listening to the Goop podcast from about a year ago this time where Gwyneth comments to Kim, like, you're obviously meticulous about the way you look. And I think that is a really good encapsulation. Like, obviously, Kim is intensely interested in beauty, but her specific type of beauty is, like, highly controlled. She sets out to achieve a look, and then she carves herself into that, right? As opposed to, like, like a, a natural, effortless beauty. Um, obviously, she's a hard worker, and I think that kind of goes into the, the selling of the products thing. Um, we know about Kim that she is really at the helm of her ship, right? She is in control. She has a highly regimented life and schedule, but also she maintains this very, or not very, this relatively relaxed vibe. Like, you know, you really get the sense that she believes she is divinely supported. Um, and I think that's come into more focus in recent years after her and Kanye's divorce and the way that she at least publicly talks about figuring out how to manage that relationship between Kanye and her kids, between the media's 
understanding of her relationship to Kanye and Kanye's relationship to her kids, um, the how she talks about dealing with North and her impulse toward social media. She talks about the Goop podcast about about like even though a lot of people would say this is terrible to have your nine year old or whatever posting on TikTok, I know that deep down that comes from a really innocent place to express yourself and perform. And I choose to see this as an as a path of artistic expression. And so long as like I'm there with her and I'm in support of her expressing herself, that's actually a very safe playground rather than me banning it from her or something. So, you know, like she just she keeps a very overall chill not chill because it's not like she's like anything goes but she's very composed I guess even though she is kind of a control freak we don't get that kind of clenched maniacal energy that we might get from the the Taylor Swift where she's worrying things are going to go off the rail Kim is on the whole much more um, trusting I guess I mean and I think other like sub themes that are increasingly more prominent with Kim are play and eroticism. Um, and the the playfulness, I think, comes most clearly in her role as a mother with her kids. I just mentioned like her and North on TikTok, obviously, which is like massively popular and uh, heartwarming. Um, but she's also like playful within herself too, like especially like post-divorce. I think she's being a little more silly and a little more mischievous. Um, even I'm thinking of like the the ad for the nipple bra where she had this kind of like one eyebrow up kind of vibe. Um, for some reason, I, this post may be like a year old now, but like there is this swipe through of her doing a cartwheel on the beach, which first of all is my like favorite energy ever. I feel like that's the energy I'm always trying to bring into my life and that I like am attracted to in other people. <laughs> um Because it's a mix of like comfortability and like being relaxed, like at the beach in a bikini, like doing something that could be physically compromising or like kind of like make you look stupid. You could fall, whatever. It's just fun and it's pro-social and it's active. Anyways, I think it's – and it's romantic. Like I just love Cartwheel on the Beach. It's like the forever vibe. And there's a lot of ways you can interpret that. Like if we think of like Carolyn Bissett Kennedy as kind of the platonic ideal of – cartwheel on the beach energy and she's doing that like in jeans you know like Kim is obviously doing it in like a thong bikini with her (laughs) with her hair down oh I found the post it's from July 20th of this year it's so cute she looks insane but I love it anyways um so there's so many different ways that one can approach cartwheel on the beach energy um but I think a lot of people would stray for that like Sally Rooney's not doing a cartwheel on the beach Addison is definitely doing a cartwheel on the beach um Lena Dunham is even doing a cartwheel on the beach in a totally different way it's a totally different vibe but she's also totally down for cartwheeling on the beach um I don't think Taylor Swift is doing a cartwheel on the beach I have to say um I'm like, who else? Alex Earl is doing Cartwheel on the Beach in like a more similar to Kim type of way, right? Um, yeah. And and one point here, like you don't have to like do a good Cartwheel to have Cartwheel on the Beach energy. Like it's more about the openness to it and the excitement at the idea of it. Like if if that sounds like I'm dangling a carrot in front of your face, like you're, you're a Cartwheel on the Beach type of person. Okay, anyways. What the fuck was I just saying? Kim eroticism play oh yeah I guess she does them at once um but the eroticism point is I mean we'll get into this more when we talk about skims and the art direction there but you know one reason that Kim is 
especially cool to me at this moment in time is because her meticulousness around her appearance, her high aestheticism is not canceling out her eroticism, which often happens, right? If you think about like a lot of chicks who are like high artifice in their look, it is no longer erotic. Like I think of Alex Earl as an example in this camp where it's like, like I'm not pathologizing the act of plastic surgery, but like it can get to a level that no longer appears sensual, right? Because it is like by definition, not sensual, not organic sensory material. (laughs) Um, And I mean, just since I brought up Alex Earl, I actually think her non-sensuousness is part of the whole reason why she works, right? It's like a critical piece of the Alex Earl puzzle is that she is not actually that erotic, even though she is highly manicured. We actually couldn't handle her if she was also sensual and erotic. Like we need her to feel not those things to keep her not threatening, to keep her like massly relatable, right? Um, Anyways, back to Kim. I think that like Kim used to feel that way. There are many times on the red carpet historically where Kim has felt so high artifice that it's like no longer appealing. Um, But I think in this current moment that we're witnessing her in, she is like freer, more relaxed, just more peaceful than ever. And so even though like her look is still like so carved out, she feels warmth. Like we feel like the hearth of her a little bit more than ever, which I think makes her feel sexier, I think. Anyway, so those are just some initial values that come to mind when I think of present day Kim. And I'm not going to belabor it too much because she's so omniscient and there's like infinite touch points of hers. We probably all have our own avenues into her. Um, so let's just run Kim through the Stargirl paradigms and at least at least like get on the same page on that. Um, okay, so we can do this pretty quickly. So ripe dead, Kim is obviously ripe. She is positive she is hungry like for experience for success she has like a forward motion to her and like which belies like a deeper like confidence in herself and like trust in the world and like um like I don't we don't think of Kim as like a nihilist right um Sunstar Moon I think Kim is a sun I think she is a natural center of things um I think she's very like supportive of those around her and life-giving um for the animal which we haven't done in a while so again the four animals are spider bunny hen and doe i think this is a tough one i would say either bunny or hen bunny comes through when she's like she's like sweet you know and she can be really like snuggly like okay when she's like modeling the like skim cozy sets like the fluffy bike shorts or whatever it's like perfect little bunny plus she's so like small and curvy but I think she is ultimately hen because I think of her as like a protector um like particularly in her role as a mother but also as a businesswoman as the star of the family like I think Kim has a lot to protect and defend we see her in the domestic space a lot um so I think that I would go for hen and this is actually a good example because I feel like everyone always like assumes that hen is the worst or hen is just like frumpy loud squawking obnoxious 
But like hen can actually be so amazing, you know, but you have you have to rise to the occasion of the amazing hen. Like obviously hen can be a wreck if you just want that to be just like a messy, obnoxious mom figure. But like be you but you can also be this like regal, like really well kept like the type of hen that meticulously cleans its feathers and all of the feathers are like evergreen and gold and rust and it's like perfectly fluffed out and it's like protecting all its little baby chicks and it's like keeping the hen house like perfectly organized and clean like that type of hen is what kim is okay i've hesitated this because it's so annoying but i'm going to introduce a fifth animal it's not a fifth animal on the line like you can't be now one of the five it is like a matrix so you're one of the four and then you are either have this switch on or off. And that switch is lion or not lion. So lion, again, is like protector and playful. Lion can be like focused, aware, predator. But like the critical thing is like, do you have something to protect? And are you like laser focused? Um, And so I think of Kim as like hen and like lion is turned on. Um, Does this make sense? So like Dasha is doe, lion is turned off. Sydney is doe, lion is turned on. And like clearly Sydney has something to protect around family, around like working classness. Like she's been so leaning into this whole like blue collar backstory, which like maybe is just like good market positioning for herself or whatever. But like it seems to me clear that she has something that she is both like anxious about and proud of and therefore she's like protective and defensive of it um let's think about other people um I mean I actually think Julia is hen and lion is turned on so that's the same as Kim ballerina farm would be bunny but lion is turned on um who are some spiders we've talked about well I guess Cammy Telez is a spider but lion is turned off like Taylor Swift is doe and Lion is turned on, but all she has to protect is like her career. So in some ways it feels a little flimsier. Um, Jenny Kim would be Doe. Wow, she's so interesting though. I could actually see her being Doe, Spider, or Bunny. I think not Bunny. I think she's a little too like fussy to like actually just be like snuggly in that way. I actually think maybe she's mostly Spider. I think the Doe is like the easiest performance for her with her like young looking face but I think she is actually kind of squirmy and like (laughs) and like scheming like a spider so I think she's spider and lion is turned off okay we need to move on um onto one that is only slightly less retarded is the sparkly fluffy okay so Kim is a sparkly grounded mom right that's pretty obvious um like compared her to some other star girls, I think of her as most similar to Ballerina Farm and Taylor Swift in the sense that she has a huge sense of duty. And then I think of her also as kind of similar to Alex Earl, where like her artifice is is part of what makes her feel relatable, even though it is by definition like unrelatable because most women don't have the means or make the choice to like alter their appearance that drastically and be so defined by their appearance. Um, but I think that they feel similar in that way. And, the, and also in the way that they're both kind of like sweethearts, even as they are like sharks. Like obviously Alex is way more like giggly and like silly and like Kim is like 
more intact. But um, I think that they both have like thick skin and are like, like they can both really rise to the occasion of attention on them and people saying whatever about them. So in that way they feel similar. And I think she feels like the least similar to like Caroline Calloway, Dasha, Jenny Kim, because none of those girls' projects are like really that high stakes or it's like the sense of responsibility is like way lower. Like like obviously all three of them have real projects that are compelling, but in comparison to Kim's responsibilities, they all seem just like, okay, you're just like interested in like engineering your vibe and like not much else. Okay, so I feel like that was already touched on so much, but like two of the values that I want to just dig into a little bit deeper now and then we can think about them as we go forward are um, family and beauty. So obviously with Keeping Up with the Kardashians, like family is explicitly like a huge selling point but we are sold a lot of really crappy family narratives like classic way that we can extend someone's messaging is by like shoehorning the family reality tv show onto them right so i'm thinking of like the earls or the d'amelios like this is a really common route that producers try to take it and like so much of that is just like bad like the Demelio is just like embarrassing and like boring and then like even with Alex Earl like it's so forced feeling and it's like they over indexed on that too soon like what was once a pretty like compelling subterranean theme but then once that became too explicitly one of the things that they were leading with I was like okay I'm over it like I don't need to see the little sisters anymore you know so anyways compare those to a ballerina farm type family story which is so compelling like so whimsical and magical and like so easeful I just wanted to make that mention that like the Kardashians have been able to keep the family narrative feeling compelling. Um, I mean, it helps in part because they're like one of the originals of that entire genre. But like, I'm so invested in Kim being a mother and like her children's whole world, honestly, more so than I ever was of her as a daughter under Chris's domain, you know. So anyways, I just think that's cool. And then on the beauty piece, I want to call attention to the difference between beauty and fashion. And obviously, those two categories are treated differently when we're talking about beauty as a vertical. So like makeup, skincare products, hair, as opposed to clothes. But as vehicles for achieving harmonious appearance... (laughs) Um, they, I I guess, okay, maybe what I'm saying is like, obviously they are treated as two separate verticals. And Marissa talked about this in, in the Emily Weiss episode, like beauty is not taken as seriously as fashion. Beauty discourse often devolves into product roundups where fashion can have this like more intellectual conversation attached to it. But I bring this up because Skims, and I'm not just talking about the product of Skims, but the overall universe of Skims, sits somewhere between fashion and beauty, and I would argue is like more of a beauty product than it is a fashion product. Like obviously it is a piece of apparel, but what it is trying to achieve is closer to just like a strict beauty ideal than than like a feat of fashion, I guess. I'm sure there's a lot of people that think about fashion as advancing a beauty ideal as well, but I think that, 
Okay, I'm going really out on a limb here, but I think there's something about Skims that is doing something really aggressively in the quote unquote field of fashion, but ultimately in the domain of beauty. And as I will talk about, Kim has a really specific point of view on the beauty ideals that she wants for herself and that she is welcoming anybody else into. And millions of people are buying into it and are completely down. And I think that in that way, Kim is actually doing something really subversive without a lot of fanfare um, or objection. So to zoom out a little bit to this like beauty fashion situation that I've been thinking about a lot this fall, on one hand, I feel like, okay, it's great that we have finally welcomed like fashion theory into the intellectual postmodern space, right? Because for a long time, fashion writing or discourse was cast aside as like women's issues or like frivolity. Um, But One, I think that the specific postmodern lens that fashion writing tends to take is so ran through. So most of the quote unquote like close reading of fashion is pretty like boring because it doesn't actually get inside the experience of experimenting with lines and proportions because it, it can't get that interior. But then also, and more importantly, the stakes of fashion are ultimately just lower than that of beauty. Like you always have the out of like, it's artifice or it's not that deep, but with beauty, it is that deep. It is always that deep. Like there's really no beating around the bush when you embark on the project of trying to make yourself appear more beautiful and by what standards you're even evaluating that under. And Anyways, I just really respect the waters that Kim wades into around beauty and the body because she is advancing her point of view on what is beautiful and apparently with a light enough touch that like everyone isn't mad about that being an unrealistic or narrow beauty standard. And um, yeah, I think that's cool. Um, anyways, okay, this like leads into slash maybe was already a part of the next section of my notes, which is Kim, skims, and the body. So something that I've always been drawn to about Kim, even when I couldn't articulate it, was that she makes the body the site of the crime, right? Like from the get-go, from the moment Kim Kardashian was on the public's radar, it has always been about her body. She is indivisible from her body. Um, and a lot of celebrities really resist that. They, they resist the conflation of themselves with their body. Um, and I'm not pathologizing people who feel like being objectified is detrimental to their career or their mental health or their own self-image or whatever. But the point is a lot of celebrities and actually a lot of people on the ground can't let themselves be a body, right? They are like removing their self from their body and resisting the idea that they are their body. The body is not on the table as something that we can discuss criticize, analyze, like it's it's a totally off-limits topic for many, many people, right? Like Kim, on the other hand, like I said, has always been a body, has always been indivisible from her body. So yeah, her body and her treatment of it is at the center of the narrative surrounding her and she lets it be that way. Her body is distinctly not off the table. And in fact, she is like continually re-putting it on the table. So anyways, to that end, Kim is a very cool and eternal vessel for conversations about the body. And um, we're excited to welcome her today. (laughs) 
Damon's always joking like, oh, Stargirl alternate title, American Bodies. And I'm like, yes, I am so down. Like Kim, the uh, ultimate American body. And look at this is probably extending the metaphor way too far. But like famously, Kim's first job was like a retail job at a store called Body in Los Angeles. It sold like diesel or something, right? Like anyways, she is about it. Um, Okay, so now let's talk about skims more directly. So... As I mentioned at the beginning, it makes me feel excited to label skims as today's lingua franca of femme. Even when we did the Emily Weiss episode a couple months ago, things that came to mind were like Eras Tour, Barbie, like all of these things that in culture are talked about with this like deep fear that like this is the way femininity is going. My point is that skims is really exciting to me, really in all realms. The products itself, which I love, the art direction, Kim as the figurehead of it. Like there's so many reasons why skims feels like a really amazing nominee as the lingua franca of femme. Like if there's a dictator that's going to come around and say like, this is what femininity is, I would be like, sweet like I am I'm on board I will adhere to this ideology like this does not offend me really at all um obviously there has been some recent exciting things about skims just in the past couple of months it was recently valued at four billion dollars and they're like kind of teasing this possible IPO in 2024 so I guess the valuation makes the case but like skims is so so popular and among young women as well right it's like initially billed as shapewear which if we think of its predecessors like Spanx that was geared towards women like 40s and up whereas with skims like so many young women wear all types of skins products like maybe initially sheepishly but I don't think we have to like keep up airs anymore if I ask someone like oh you look really good in that dress or whatever and they're like oh it's a skims dress I'm like okay amazing whatever and it's also interesting to like think about skims in this moment where like at least among like fashion inclined women at least that I know like there's been this real war on synthetic fabrics and obviously skims has 100% cotton items and whatever but like there's been a real like snobbery around the synthetic fabrics and like I understand that in a lot of realms but like sometimes people are hitting that home so hard that I'm like okay it's making me think you like don't work out like why do you not own any synthetic fabrics like this is like what's going on anyways even despite that like as the saying goes everybody's wearing skims so um anyway maybe I'll do like a little mini history of of skims um so skims was launched in 2019 I'm sure we all remember this like the fall before the pandemic I think it came out in September it was founded by Kim and Jens Greed Uh, you guys know the Greeds him and his wife, Emma, he's Swedish, she's British. They're behind like Good American, like Tom Brady's line. Like they've built a lot of successful like celebrity brands, basically. Anyways, they found it in 2019. They talk about it as like they had identified a hole in the market. Like the undergarment industry is ripe for disruption. First of all, where have we heard this before on Stargirl, right? If we think back to the Cami Tellez, this is the exact same line that she had about Parade. So I say this not because... Kim won, though, like she did, but that's for a whole host of reasons. But we were at a real standstill with like Victoria's Secret is disgraced, Spanx is too pigeonholed, like Savage X Fenty is like kind of at a standstill. Although, weren't they supposed to IPO this year? I don't think that they did. Okay, someone tell me what's going on with that. Anyways, um, there was this moment where, in a real way, the underground industry like needed a fresh face. Um, and 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 Skims was there. It was originally was 
going to be called kimono. Then they had this whole backlash with that. If you remember, the like mayor of Kyoto wrote a letter that was like, please change this name. <laughs> and like Kim had a real like come to Jesus moment was like, I, this was a huge oversight. Like, I can't believe it thus. I would never want to like do this, whatever. And then they came out with the amazing, amazing name uh, Skims. Anyways, I was listening to this business of fashion podcast episode with Jan Screed. Um, This came out like in 2022, so a while ago now, but it was so inspiring. Like, I feel like I haven't listened to like business inspirational lectures in a while. I tend to seek out that type of like very simplistic beginning, middle, end success story and like fitness rhetoric. But this really brought me back around. I was like, oh, I need to get back on some like some narratives of some founders. Like, I, for- I forgot how um compelling this is. Anyways, the point that he really hammers home is that it was always in Kim's point of view. He says, like, the best editors are their own consumers. Like, they're people that are making magazines to entertain and inform themselves first and foremost. And he extends that idea to Kim at the helm of the ship with Skims being like, she was looking for something that would solve her problems. She was looking to make something that she was excited about. She was her own consumer. And that that narrowness of and commitment to her own point of view is what made it such a successful and such a intact brand. Obviously, that commitment to your own vibe, it's easier to launch a successful company with that idea when you are like one of the most famous people in the world. That's not lost on me. And still, I think that that's a really good lesson to always bring forward. It's like, if number one, anything you make should just be first and foremost to inform and entertain yourself. And it's, it's also so cool to think about the explosion of skims, given that it initially was such a small offering like we might think like oh how much mileage can shapewear even have like that's not a platform that's not a lens just like a very simple product with a kind of like narrow boundaries on what that could turn into but it's amazing just looking at like all of the ways Kim has expanded that into loungewear into jammies and now you know recently into like underwear and into men's and and I mean even the nipple bra that's obviously kind of a random spoof thing and yet it sold out like she has so well expanded the world of skims and the offering of skims in a way that like always feels very for lack of a better term like platform native like it still feels faithful to the point of view and so from my vantage point as like a lowly consumer nothing that she comes out with even like this past fall when it seemed like every single week she was adding a new like line to her shtick it never felt like oh this is out of scope or like oh you're just like trying to like do this now do this now like think of so many brands that like try to add on additional products and it's just like it always feels kind of out of left field like it's almost just like she's welcoming other things in like it's like oh yeah you can come along oh yeah you're welcomed in oh yeah 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 I, I see how you fit in with us so it has this feeling of like back to the the sun paradigm where she is just this warm hearth center and she's generously hosting all of these other things and like filling them with her light <laughs> and I mean just since I brought up Cami Tellez and Parade like that is an example of someone who saw the same market opportunity and led with a really strong visual to disrupt the space but a couple problems okay like one just to state the obvious like Cami Tellez is obviously not as like famous or powerful as Kim Kardashian so it's never going to have the like immediate 
cachet and reach. But like, that's not really worth talking about. That's not that interesting to me. Um, More so is like the point of view of Parade didn't feel authentic to the point of view of Cammy, right? It was like positioned too much as a social cause that she is like an ambassador for the people who can't like speak for themselves or aren't represented in brand campaigns or never photographed naked or whatever, as opposed to Kim, who it's like from the get-go, even though, yes, she was doing like a range of colors and sizes and types of models and including trans models, like it was all in the point of view of Kim's beauty ideal. And that was so obvious that it just made it feel more trustworthy, you know? And even if that wasn't like your ideal, like I remember when Skins first came out and I like really wanted the like the fuzzy shorts and tank top set. I had so many friends who were like, okay, not into that. This is like weird. Like this is just looks like cheap and stupid. And like, why are you into? it but they still got the message it didn't feel like anything insidious was going on with kim doing skims you know and even now as it's valued as a four billion dollar company i don't hear anyone going like oh it's kind of like sketchy what she's doing with skims it's like oh no it makes total sense like she's following her vibe to the very end um and sharing it she's sharing it with us um Oh, oh, okay. Back to the like confused point of view thing. With Parade, when they started expanding into like other things other than just just underwear, when they started doing swimwear or they would do like their collabs or whatever. Oh, point on the collabs. Did you see earlier this fall when Kim did the Skims X Swarovski and then Cammy was mouthing off about like, you know who did a Swarovski campaign years ago? A uh, parade. I'm just like, no one cares. Okay, anyways. Um as Parade was expanding, it always just felt off. It just kind of felt like untethered, you know? I'm like, okay, this is like, okay, cool, weird, new, like Van Gogh-inspired bikini. Like, what am I doing with this, you know? It's just like, it didn't coalesce because it didn't have a strong rudder. Kim is such a strong rudder. Okay, and then also, as I was saying, Skims is now like, more of a platform it's this like diffuse i'm saying it as like democratized not to the people but among its products it's like it's like this it's like a picnic blanket and all of these things are just like spread out on it It is like the platform for all of these things it is not just like a, a piece of shapewear right and um in that jan's greed episode that I was listening to he talks about how skims like is really poised to like create their own category so if at first they were dead set on disrupting an existing category now they're kind of like creating their whole own thing he likened it to like lululemon or jordans where like originally if you look at lululemon that's like pretty narrow to just have like yoga attire like how much can you how far can yoga attire go now when you think of lululemon that's not a product that is a world right and so I think of skims similarly to that and even more so because they're doing so much with their editorial world that they're creating like honestly like I see skims as this grand editorial project I don't know she's creating like a museum of herself (laughs) via this brand or something which is um very cool (laughs) um I've mentioned some of these already, but to look at the like most recent rollout of Skims, just to talk about like like how prolific she is with this brand. Um, Just in this fall, they had the Swarovski collab, which I just talked about. They came out as the underwear sponsor of the NBA. They're doing men's Skims. They had this the amazing holiday shoot, which I feel like I've reposted like five times, um, where Kim is all like dressed up as like a. 60s, 70s ski bunny, um, all shot by Nadia Lee Cohen. Um, They 
did the nipple bra. They just like a, a couple weeks ago came out with the boyfriend line. Um, so there's so much going on just from like a new product standpoint. And oh yeah, I already mentioned this, but the tagline, everybody's wearing skims is so, so good. I think it's so cute. And I love when like at the end of the ad spots, they say it like when Kim Cattrall's like, everybody's wearing skims. It's like, love that. That's another point. They cast so many awesome people they keep up with like who you have to be casting but then like you know they I mean I was gonna say they casted Addison really early that was maybe when she was in her like weird friendship with Kourtney Kardashian so maybe that's not surprising but like in retrospect that's cool that Addison was doing skims in 2021 when she was still hated and before skims was anywhere near as big as it is now it's like Kim knows. Yeah, I already talked about the nipple bra commercial, Kim's like cheeky acting moment, which was great. Yeah. Oh, on the nipple bra, like that felt like such a missed opportunity to me of like cool pieces that could have been written about it. Um, Like Rachel Tashin, who on the whole, I like think is like a really great leader of fashion discourse. She just seems like a strong leader, even when I don't like agree or care about what she writes about but um her piece on the nipple bra just like it fell so flat it's just kind of talking about the war on the nipple but it's like for some activists the skims bra is one small step to nipple emancipation she has this quote from this woman lena esco who i guess like involved in the free the nipple movement and like directed a movie about it which she says she says in america we can objectify a woman's body if she has pasties on her nipples esco says but the moment she takes those off it's considered obscene blah 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 Maybe actually maybe I'm like we could have just said less we could have just let it happen and like we were like grasping to try to create discourse out of it but like actually the best part was just that like it happened and then that it sold out and it's like (laughs) amazing job um let's see what else yeah I just talked about the holiday shoot with Nadia Lee Cohen um that's like heavily borrowing from like mid-century women's magazines um I'm working right now on this book that glamour magazine is putting out on the history of the magazine which has been around since the late 1930s and um it's actually amazing like how much of skims ad stuff like really heavily leans on women's magazines art direction and it's but, but like I love women's magazines I think that's like such a great evolution I like the content of them historically is much more interesting to me than them now like if you look at like Cosmo and Glamour from like even the 90s it's like way more like aggressive and kind of out of pocket than than it is now um but still I think it's like a really cool and important tradition and I feel like Kim a couple things one I was just talking about her viewing herself as like the editor of a magazine just like building out this world of objects that she feels interested in and that really comes through in in the art direction of Skims but then also in this spirit of like being a brand that is like by and for women but without making it either like sad (laughs) like this you know like Skims has no commitment to the idea of womanhood as like an oppressed class like it's like women are beautiful let's be more beautiful you know um and then it also doesn't devolve into the like cutesy hyper girlish like campy kind of stuff either like it's really kind of straight up and like in that way aggressive to me um it's funny I was thinking back to old Stargirl episodes like toward the beginning of 2023 when I was really on about like this slow convergence of art and advertisements and editorial and I was talking about it as if it was like the ultimate gentrification when artful looking things are trying to sell you something and um I really like don't care about that now and I actually can't imagine that I cared about it that much then but it's more like 
when all of those things converge and it's like boring to look at and advancing ideals that feel lame like that's actually my problem with it my problem was that like I didn't agree not that I thought it was like (laughs) a a terrible item of late stage capitalism or something Um, like now with skims being like a very like artful object that is trying to tell you something and trying to like relentlessly evoke this editorial spirit that doesn't bother me at all because I'm just like it looks sick like I'm down you know (laughs) so um I guess just to talk about the art direction more head on especially early skims was like very clearly Kanye influenced right with the like string of neutral clad women almost robot like this kind of like indexical quality where they're all the same angle the same pose but they're wearing just like different shades of neutral or something one after another in this almost lab like environment um but then it also evolved into like when it was in like fits everybody era into more like 2000s women's day magazine vibe like back to the dove beauty um campaigns that we talked about in the glossier episode really borrowing from that with like all of these women kind of like draped over each other belly rolls out or like cellulite visible or whatever but they were still maintaining that clear kim point of view with like clean skin slicked back like all shades of like brown and neutral and golds right back to the point i made earlier about as the product offering expands it just feels like she's welcoming more and more things into the world i also feel like as she experiments with her art direction it just feels like she's welcoming those things into the world as well like when she did her like soft glow filter moment then when she got into like lo-fi flash photography um recently when she started doing all these like 2000s calvin klein-esque men's underwear ad at least to me it all feels like very united under kim's point of view i guess was what i keep saying um yeah and in the goop podcast i guess that was recorded like a year ago but even at that time she says that like she is in the room signing off on like all of the castings all of the photographers all of the concepts like if that's a lie like it's one i'm willing to buy because like it's so seamlessly produced um oh the only other like recent thing I want to talk about is the the boyfriends line um, but it's all these couples in this like soft I don't know jersey looking lounge sets and um, yeah it just actually is hot like the moment of the embrace and the style of photography it's just like it actually is looking really good like we see so much like over the top like supposed to be erotic advertisements in this vein and like I actually thought this was really good Okay, next we're going to talk about the rise of athleticism in editorial and culture more generally and how Skims fits in with that. And I don't by any means think that Skims was like defining this trend, but I think they're picking up on it and like doing cool things with it at a very high level and will continue to in in 2024. So, okay, so that's some groundwork. I think that Skims mirrors this trend toward sportiness athleticism muscularity physique that's happening in editorial projects and culture more generally she's doing partnerships with the nba she's using patrick mahomes family as the main casting in her holiday spread um she has like neymar jr what's nick boza etc as the like leading men of skims men's um and also just in general as we've talked about a million times Skims images are about physique, right? 
Obviously, this is reflected in culture in a lot of different ways. We have like brocat fashion, a la Biz Sam and Alexi, right? So this could be like an allusion in your in your clothes and your styling to sportiness, to game day, to frat culture. It's just they describe it as like the next step from brocat fashion, which centered more on like soccer and kind of like preppier sport. So that's that's one manifestation. Um, there's also just been a big uptick in physique editorials. Um, recent ones I'm thinking of is like when Mel Ottenberg wore the muscle suit on. Um, for Interview Magazine. Um, So much of the stuff that Julia Fox has done of late, right? So she got like super skinny, she's saying, and then she kind of like did this amazing recomp and now she has like legit abs and like she's so thin that you can like see all the striations in her leg muscles. Um, So that is pretty amazing. Um, There was this music video that came out in November by the artist Sevdaliza, if you guys know her. She's an Iranian artist. I only knew the song Human by her before. Anyways, she came up with this song called Nothing Lasts Forever and the music video for for it is like really over the top like AI musculature and it's it's amazing I'll link it but and several star girls are noted so it's like Grimes, Madonna, Julia Fox and randomly ASAP Ferg who honestly holds his own but it's, wait, like how short is ASAP Ferg like is he getting into like Uzi territory like he looks so short I need to know this exactly okay he's five foot seven okay not that insane. Anyways, whatever, doesn't matter. Um, but they are all like CGI enhanced to look like they are bodybuilders in a bikini competition. And their faces are also like totally CGI enhanced as well. Grimes is looking amazing. I was like, Claire, looking so beautiful. Anyways, um, that's another example of just like hyper muscularity as a stylistic choice to lean into. Um, let's see. I also just think more generally, and this is kind of hard to prove because it's kind of a massive statement but like I do think that dancing and athleticism has become a bigger piece of like performance value like and this may be related to the revival of like stadium tours this year as well but I'm thinking about all the emphasis placed on like Beyonce's performance and all the training that went into that obviously like the narrative over the course of the tour of like how much Blue Ivy's stage presence and dancing um and just like command of space uh, increased over that period of time. Um, obviously, Taylor and like all the physical stamina and the training that had to go into that three-hour-long performance. And then also with our random new like chick on the stage with Tate McRae as like a new pop star who's like first and foremost is a dancer. Um, and actually, I'm just going to do a sidebar on Tate McRae because I've been meaning to talk about her for a while and I don't even know if I love her. Her like persona to me is so like flat. I don't feel like attached to her but I just love watching her dance anyways her visual has been described by many as very confused and I kind of agree but I also think it's like fine because I think we just so needed something from totally left field to like shake up the Taylor Swift Olivia Rodrigo Sabrina Carpenter eternal seeming moment that we'd been in among pop stars so anyways Tate is very low contrast actually as well she has like brown hair that's kind of like highlighted blonde but it kind of just looks like brassy um brown eyes she's very tan she's muscular and she obviously is curvy but like mostly she's just generally fit and we never really see her body statically and we also never really see it like bare like she's always wearing like you know sweats and then basketball shorts over it and then like a studded leather bra or something or she's wearing like a ripped up t-shirt and booty shorts and like huge big boots and like a single hockey glove on one hand right like she's playing with proportions in a really almost like cartoonish way um but that does aid in her like dance costume you know because if you think of like 2000 studio hip-hop 
dancer fashion. <laughs> like I, I think I brought up Wildebeest recently. Like if you think about Wildebeest or like that era of like YouTube hip hop choreography videos, um, like you can really do some heinous shit. It's always like a huge ass flannel tied around your waist with like massive sweats and then like tiny high-waisted shorts out under them and then just like a tiny neon sports bra and then like a white shirt over it that you've like cut into all of these random strips so when you like turn your torso they all swing out whatever it doesn't even matter that's what she looks like her hair is always down and she, one thing that I do love about Tate is that she's really bringing back like white girl hairography <laughs> um so I love I love that but anyways the point is that her visual definitely like totally came out of left field is definitely not in line with like baby doll Ariana Grande Sabrina Carpenter moment and she also is just like so physically intense that it's like a different a way different performance than we've been seeing from our pop stars for like a, a little while. And the one thing I will say about the confused image is that like months ago when I was first showing David her and he was like, oh, she kind of reminds me of like the little sisters of like the hockey players I knew growing up. And it's like, exactly, that's exactly what she is. But anyways, yeah, recently I've been seeing some people like talking badly about her online which is fine but just today I saw this tweet from stasis baby on twitter if you know at heron walker it says why are people who couldn't even read during trl's heyday drawing on britney slash christina to contextualize tate mccray blah 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 blah. most importantly she's tovlo meets the pussycat doll who could do a standing split okay anyways I agree that drawing parallels between Tate McRae and Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera is totally misguided she's not that type of pop star at all I don't think that she's going to be like that level of pop star like I don't think that she has the face or the stage presence outside of just like her being a really good dancer to be the front runner like I don't think she's going to be our girl but I do think that we needed someone as I said to come out of left field and, and to totally just like shake up the status quo um but I see her as more of just like a tried and true like 2000s 2010s throwback it's so like Timbaland beats it's so Jenna Dewan like step up era yeah I think that like she's so great to have yeah and I like I wasn't even aware of Tate McRae until like Greedy started trending on TikTok which I mean I, I was hoping I would never have to mention Tube Girl on Stargirl but there we go um but anyways but then in like learning about her then I learned that she had had this like whole career and like a debut album or EP or something and and tour but that up until now she's been doing like croony heartbreak breakup-y songs um and then it was only with Greedy that she was doing like dance anthems and like putting out music videos where she like could dance and she was like a child competition dancer and there, there's all these amazing like old clips of her on YouTube from other competition dancers who like remember competing against her in like Toronto or something as a child which that is amazing and then she was on wait, was she on so you think you can dance kids I forget which exact competition show I'm sorry someone can fact check me on that but um you know she obviously is like a highly trained dancer and then she like became a songwriter and now she's like finally somebody took the reins and was like no you're not doing like breakup songs like you don't have a good enough voice this is just feeling so random like let me give you a track you can dance to and now she's now she's throwing down um so yeah I don't even know if I have anything else to say about her I mean it feels relevant that she's Canadian I don't even know why but it it does like she's not an American <laughs> um yeah I do think like this is a great moment where we can now maybe finally reflect on like how much Addison did for us like Addison walked so Tate McRae could run right and honestly Addison is more talented I mean maybe she can't sing but in terms of like being a 
really strong nominee that we missed for pop stardom and then like I guess she had her album right but we already talked about the like dismal launch of that and like why they put her in like a glitter tutu and a pink bra it's like we can do so much more with Addison we could just put her in like a nude cat suit and make her like redo the she-wolf video we could like have her do a 15th anniversary video of take you down by Chris Brown like she could do some crazy ass shit but instead we're just like let me give you like a lollipop and a magic wand shaped like a heart you know it's like fuck anyways oh Tate and Addison are also similar to me not only in the like danceness and the like real sexuality that they bring as opposed to someone like Sabrina Carpenter who's just like okay I just flick you anyways they both have this very like this is gonna sound sketchy but like mature energy to them like Tate McRae I think is like 19 or 20 years old you could tell me she's 30 years old and I would believe it like and I'm not saying she looks old or like she's aging prematurely but her and Addison both when they were so young because I think Addison came up right around that same time 18 19 20 they just had such a more mature energy because they were so in control of their body they had no like residual adolescent gangliness to them um and and part of that is just because they're both relatively like short and muscular so it's not like they're dealing with like zendaya type limbs that they have to like recruit back to the to the source but um there is something similar to them and like yeah also with the low contrast like brassy blonde just kind of all gold amber eyes like very cat-like um anyways all to say on tate mccray this is kind of a long sidebar and i apologize but the the thing i can really stand behind her on as opposed to the pop stars that we've been seeing of the past little bit is that she is like leading with fierceness first, right? And so honestly, to the to that tweet that I just read, I think the Pussycat Dolls is not a bad comparison. Like them, Danity Kane, Nelly Furtado, that era of just really like I'm throwing down, like it's, it's kind of like a little SMD energy, you know? But like when Taylor tries to do SMD, i.e. in the reputation piece of the era's tour, it's just like, yikes you know what I mean like that doesn't actually feel threatened like I don't actually think you're gonna like stomp on my head you know but okay to bring this back to Kim I also think Kim with skims is leading with fierceness as opposed to girliness and I think that is something that we can rally around in this moment where we're apparently so lost and so starved for compelling content that is for and by women look no further than Kim. We don't have to do more think pieces about the heiress tour being a juvenile piece of crap. We can just look at skims. There is a path forward, y'all. So this perfectly leads into the next section, which is about the ongoing girlhood versus womanhood conversation. And actually, a friend of mine, Isabel Christo, just published a piece in The Cut last week or the week before, sometime around then, about this exact issue that we've been circling around on the podcast as well. And so that essay is a great summation of the malaise itself, and I will link it for you. But I think that even though there's a lot of kind of handy items of culture that we can point to and that are, I guess, necessary to make the case that we've been stuck in this like juvenile girl soup, like Bose, Barbie, Eras Tour, Girl Dinner, Girl Math, whatever, it's actually not about the accoutrement. You know what I mean? Or like, I mean, at least I hope it's not. Like if you're actually that offended by Bose or looking to the Barbie movie as your intellectual stimulation, like that's actually a separate issue. But like more about what I think this anxiety is about is about seeing yourself resist responsibility 
as you age and that resistance to responsibility becoming increasingly empty feeling, right? Like that I think is what it's really about. It's not just like, oh, there's no clothes for me to buy because they all have bows on them. First of all, that's not true. Um, Like, yeah, I'm just like, imagine if I internalized this and was like, okay, you're right. It's time to elevate. I need to rebrand this. It's now Star Woman. You know, it's like, that would not even go. Obviously it's Star Girl and that's not offensive. Just stop. Anyways, but back to the like resisting responsibilities, like, I understand why that doesn't feel appealing, right? Because it's, first of all, it's very easy to live off the idea of your own potential and the like, what will I become versus the like, what am I? Like what, this is what it is amounting to here in the present. This is what it is, you know? And it's also hard to just like get serious, of course. Um, And, but yeah, I'm thinking of like the the responsibilities that I think are called out in, in that article are like, you know, making and saving money and investing, um, committing to a relationship, like being a mother. Like these are things that like women in their late twenties, early thirties are doing like less or just like way later. And like, maybe that's fine. I'm I'm not going to raise like a moral panic around that. But, um, I do think that bro, like if you're sick of all this girl shit, then like just opt into the woman shit. Like, what do you mean? Like we've been ready for you to like not be, sketchily like soft cheating on your boyfriend we've been ready for you to like stop wearing pleated skirts if if that's the thing on the table we've been ready for you to support yourself financially like what is going on like this is not a problem of like the powers that be feeding you juvenile content it's a problem of you being addicted to your juvenile shit i'm not exempting myself from this there's so many ways that in which i am not grown up but it's important to just like remind yourself that like the power resides within you like I feel like I'm always harping on like personal responsibility on this podcast and I probably sound like a crazy old up by your bootstraps type person but like I do mean it like your life is the result of your choices so just like if you don't want to watch Barbie then like you super don't have to you know um and the other thing that I will say about this is that like I am also a huge seeker and defender of freedom. Like above all else, I have learned about myself that I need to feel free to feel like alive and motivated and and excited about doing anything. And so I am by no means saying like grow up, be boring. But I do acknowledge that like shit gets old when you have, as, as I said, nothing that you're protecting. And so maybe that's where the lion kicks in. It's like, oh, you can just activate lion. And then it's like, I've got something to protect. I've got responsibilities to cater to. I have duties. I have shit that needs me. Sorry to bring this back to Kim. Kim is obviously also a very free person. Yes, she has a very regimented life. Yes, she is like kind of a control freak in certain ways. But like Gwyneth even says this to her on her podcast. She's commends her and she's like you're a really free thinker and Kim's like thank you like Kim doesn't just receive information about herself and the world and her role in it like she is such an individual and such a free thinker and like in that way is very liberated from what we might otherwise think of are like the pressures of like the patriarchy or whatever it's like Kim's not buying into all of these like sociology 101 narratives about the way the world works she's just like doing her thing and really thinking hard about things and trusting her gut and like doing putting her chips into the world um so 
I really respect that. I think I've said this now a million times as well, but like if you are sick of quote unquote girl culture, we have Kim, an incredible ambassador of womanhood. Let's just list off all of the things that she has to protect. Her image, which you might say like, oh, that's frivolous, that's stupid, that's vain. No, that is directly related to her valuation and the success of her ventures. She has her family to protect, both as a daughter and sister in that original nuclear family that we met her in, as well as her role as a mother, which just gets more and more complicated like as time goes on um she has her businesses to protect and we didn't even talk about her whole like the whole lawyer piece of it which is just an entire other thing like she's literally exonerating people like she has a lot that she has responsibilities to um to take that a step further the idea of kim is a great ambassador of womanhood like she is a woman for women without whining about it or making it like spoof in some ways like she makes womanhood feel both high stakes and also really appealing which is why she feels related to ballerina farm to me because i'm like okay like you know these are such different aesthetic worlds but they both bring forward similar values around family hard work beauty ease being, as I said before, like a really stable rudder, like being unfazed, being a free thinker ultimately. Yeah. I mean, I think if we just, again, look back at Skims and the narrative there, like Skims is literally for women by women, which is something that we were also told like the wing was or like so many of those like late 2010s feminist coded brands were for women by women. Like Skims is doing that, but like not in a way that feels like hokey um they're doing that like shape enhancement like beauty enhancement piece without making it a sob story or like feel like unattractive or boring right and like okay like to actually to return to something that we talked about in the lena dunham episode like literally a year ago um where lena dunham talking about like herself having posed as marilyn monroe in like this kind of spoof like way she says that that was quote kitschy commentary on the type of woman we deem worthy of attention and then she goes on to talk about how like you know she's evolved since then and like the kitschy commentary on on women and beauty and beauty ideals is no longer of interest to her and i found that really impactful when I read that a year ago. I'm just going to reiterate this to like to myself, to us all. Like you have to resist the kitschy commentary on yourself. You have to resist the caricature of femininity in any dimension. And I think that Kim with skims, even though like she can be like cheeky a la the nipple bra moment and she's working with like extreme proportions of her own body, which have been to a certain extent enhanced. She is very sincerely offering a standard of beauty and a standard of femininity and I think that that in and of itself is amazing (laughs) okay well honestly I have exhausted myself I have a few more notes but like as a preview the next episode is not on Kim but is related to Kim so I think we can pick up a lot of the remaining notes then like oh my god yeah like we didn't even talk about the recent Balenciaga in LA when Kim's has the Erewhon bag there's more on the Goop podcast which honestly I would just really recommend everybody listen to it's like the vibe is so good like this is what I hope my 40s are like or honestly make it now like this is the energy I want it to be when I'm meeting up one-on-one with a friend like just so relaxed contained reflective soulful generous just so nice like honestly it feels like asmr and it isn't even and it's cool like 
Kim is almost big sistering Gwyneth, gives this kind of passing of the torch vibe, which we'll pick up on next time. Um, but one thing that Kim says in that podcast that maybe I'll just end on this, um, she says, I'm the type of person that no matter what it is, I'm in a good place. And Gwyneth responds, you're very sanguine. It's very cool. I want to like get that engraved on a piece of stone and put it in my room. Like that, that full exchange of just like, you know, that's, that's what I want for myself too. I want to be the type of person that no matter what it is, I'm in a good place. And historically that hasn't been the case. I let everything affect me. And I think that can be really good to just like be a sensitive, empathic person and like, like to feel all your feelings really big, but it can also really knock you off course. And I think one thing I'm thinking about as we go into the new year is that like, I want to be in an exalted state all the time. And I mean, I guess that can mean like extreme euphoria and happiness. And that's certainly not what I'm seeking, but I do think there's a part of it that's just like peace and humility in the face of something great I don't know it's like it's like your mind is a sanctuary or something and you just you don't you don't let a lot in I do see Kim as a role model for people in that way where like she's so steady as I keep saying she's such a steady rudder that whatever happens as she said I'm always doing good like I can expand my capacity to feel these intense feelings to go through difficult things to have setbacks whatever to be wrong and still keep putting one foot in front of the other to just just recover without a lot of drama without a lot of time wasted um so I feel ultimately really positive going into this next year that we have this great role model and cultural output via Kim like we don't need to just like rely on culture production aimed at teenagers and then be mad about it like it's not enough to observe that there's quote no culture for women like just make something cool you know look for something cool like it is all around us um so yes happy new year to everybody and I'm wishing you all peace clarity of vision exalted state all right thank you all for listening and i will talk to you soon all right bye